Rudy Giuliani gets COVID-19, a bar owner's video goes viral exposing the hypocrisy behind the COVID-19 lockdowns, and it is now racist to say that schools should be open. We will be getting into that and more on The William Hall Show. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I know mine was full of relaxation, and that is the best thing for me. So Rudy Giuliani, test positive for COVID-19. This this story came out just on Sunday afternoon. So Trump had tweeted about this on Sunday as well, saying Rudy Giuliani, by far the greatest mayor in the history of New York City, and who has been working tirelessly exposing the most corrupt election by far in the history of the USA, has tested positive for the coronavirus. Get well soon, Rudy. We will carry on. So Rudy is uh, definitely going to be in our thoughts and prayers during this time. Uh, a lot of different people on the Trump team have uh, contracted COVID-19, and thankfully nobody was uh, really, really had it that long. And it seems like everybody that also got it recovered fairly quickly as well. So uh, he is 76, and obviously he's not an Olympic athlete by any means. So uh, we'll definitely be praying for him as well so that he can get everything prepared for the court cases that will be coming up soon about the election. So over the weekend, a bar owner makes a viral video exposing the hypocrisy behind the COVID-19 lockdowns in California. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I came in to get stuff for that. And I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this. Has approved this being set up for this being set up for for a movie company i'm losing everything everything i own is being taken away from me and they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio which is right over here And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. <laughs> they have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive. My staff cannot survive. Look at this. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, That's safe. This is safe. 50 feet away. This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. See, this is a perfect example 
of why politicians can't be trusted in many different situations. Policies don't fix everything. I know that every, a lot of the Democrats want to believe that. It's typically among, among the left that they want to basically put in policies to fix the world. You know, they'll, they'll say on Twitter, the, the world is imperfect. How in the world can we survive? People are, there, there's wealth disparities and, and there's this racism and there's that, whatever the issue is. But they fail to miss that policies are made by humans. There, there will always be errors. There will always be problems. We can't seek the, a fix to our problems simply through policies, that especially when they are implemented by people that are imperfect people themselves, which happens to be everybody on the planet. But she's, she's pointing at the hypocrisy specifically with the fact that she can go see a movie, but you can't sit outside at a restaurant. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that maybe some of the different movies and people that are kind of in the pockets of Hollywood have arranged for that to happen, of course, because we can't let that die. But, of course, your own business that you started up, that, that won't be able to fly whatsoever. And, and it's also known that lockdowns aren't proven to be super effective. I mean, the, the, the WHO even came out and came out and basically said that the lockdowns are, in a, are, are not going to be an effective way to actually mitigate the virus. All they'll do is delay. But in the meantime of delaying, they're, they're killing the economy. They're destroying businesses. They're destroying people's livelihoods. It's not a good solution whatsoever. That's all they're going to do is simply delay the inevitable. And the rules of policies change daily. There's always something with the coronavirus that we've seen where the rules are always shifted and, and changed just seemingly maybe by the week, by the day. Tomorrow, they'll say your business is fine to be open, and then the next day, they'll say there's another problem. There's another business that needs to close. Well, it's only bars and some schools and certain types of restaurants, but not these other types of restaurants, and certain businesses, say like a gym, but not a movie theater. All of this stuff is, it just doesn't make any sense. And the problem is, is that you can't be putting in policies that hurts one type of business, but then excludes another. And then obviously all of that will be flipped and flopped and changed. And it's just not fair. It's not fair to anybody. These lockdowns aren't fair. They're not fair to churches. They're not fair to small businesses. They only destroy what people are trying to create, the living that they've tried to make. She said in a quote here that she spent $80,000 renovating her restaurant to comply to the local restrictions and can't cover her margins solely on takeout orders. The, the issue here is that these are people that are actually trying to invest in their business. And, and, that, and those investments that were in her business were all because of the restrictions that California was, was forcing businesses to comply by. I mean, this is what makes California probably probably one of the worst states out there as far as trying to run a business or creating a business. You have all of these restrictions and things that you have to comply to. And then now that the COVID-19 stuff is going on, they're just using that as another excuse to say, well, we required you to, to, to adhere to these guidelines. But now your business is closed. It's gone. You're not allowed to have your business open anymore. 
that is extremely hypocritical. It is sad that the state just kind of doubles down on these businesses so hard and making it nearly impossible to actually do anything, to make a living whatsoever. Uh, a, a Kind of a meme that was circulating online, and, and I posted it on my parlor as well, said, if lockdowns worked the first time, why are we locking it down again? And if lockdowns didn't work the first time, why are we locking down again? Once again, the, the coronavirus is never going to go away. It's always going to be a part of our lives, just like the flu has been a part of our lives forever. But of course, right now, nobody thinks about the flu. Nobody's talking about the flu. Nobody even pretends as if it exists, but it does exist. It's a very real virus as well that people die from all the time. And yet we're just going to ignore that and pretend as if the coronavirus is somehow just going to go away forever. And I've said it a thousand times, but the issue here is that when, when will the coronavirus, what, like what number are they looking for? What, what, at what stage are we going to say, this is the cutoff line? But of course, that doesn't matter because we're at a point in which the goalpost keeps moving and there's always going to be this excuse to say, well, you should do this. You shouldn't be able to have your business open. This is never going to go away. Most Republicans understand this. We understand that it's always going to be a part of our daily life. And at the end of the day, we can either kill the economy due to it or we can continue to let that be a choice that is up to the business. If a business chooses to close on their own accord, let them. But if they want to stay open and be able to provide for their family and make a living, they should be allowed to do that with other patrons that also make that decision as well. This also exposes another problem that we've seen uh, a few months ago between BLM and churches. We were told churches... You can't have people in your building. You can't worship God. You can't do those things. But if you're on the street rioting, you're not going to hear any opposition from us. It's it's just the pure hypocritical nature of a lot of these Democrats and their, their states and their cities telling you you can't worship God, but you can ride in the streets. And by mean you can ride in the streets, I mean they're not going to say anything about it. The second that those riots were going on, you didn't hear anything about the coronavirus. It was gone. That topic wasn't in the news. And for a second there, everybody was so focused on racial issues that they completely forgot that the virus was even a thing. And everybody went out into the streets, no social distancing, no masks. And I think a lot of conservatives may even feel better about wearing, doing the lockdowns and all of the rest of the things like that if... Democrats were actually consistent themselves in, in actually adhering to these guidelines. But unfortunately, there's so many videos out there showing the hypocrisy as well, whether it's Gavin Newsom in a restaurant or Lori Lightfoot in the middle of the streets of Detroit uh, after they told you about Biden being the president elect or whatever they want to call it. But you saw her in the street surrounded by people, no masks, and that's fine because of the occasion. It's all dependent on the occasion and what they approve. And that's why it doesn't make sense for us to adhere to these stupid uh, guidelines oftentimes and, and why we should be making our own decisions as free citizens of the United States. So before we get into the next topic, 
I do have a Patreon where you can donate to the channel. You can help support the work that I'm doing here. Um, and I also have this podcast available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. There's a very good chance that this show is on there as well for the people that would prefer an audio only option. We are the new media and it is time that we invest into the content creators that are pushing against the fake news. On Friday, Trump warned Republicans about the consequences of what would happen if they didn't vote for the senators, Purdue and Leffler. Here's exactly how they will change America forever. The radical Democrats, if they get power, they will immediately abolish the Senate filibuster, allowing them to pass any bill they want and giving them free reign to ram through the most extreme left-wing agenda ever conceived, while at the same time destroying our military through a lack of funding. And by the way, tell our senators, end Section 230. And Section 230. Put it in. We put it in. I want it in the defense bill. Put it in. Because it's a national security problem. It's a big national security. So hopefully Mitch and the senators will put it in. But it's the one chance we have to bring big tech, who are vicious and violent and untruthful, to bring big tech. It's the only thing they fear is that we're going to end Section 230. So hopefully we will do it. It happens to be a politically very popular thing to do, by the way. If these people get control, their draconian military cuts will devastate Fort Benning, Fort Gordon, and the military families all across Georgia. And we would also like to save the names of the forts, if you don't mind, everybody. They have the right, you know, they put in the Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren clause where they have the right to take all the names of our past warriors, heroes in some cases, many cases, some turned out to be uh, heroes in disguise perhaps, but they want to take the names off and they have the right to desecrate, to take down, to destroy, to demolish places in our national parks that we don't want demolished. So we have to be very careful of that. We can't let that happen. Put it. They want to put it in our military bill of all people. Elizabeth Warren puts that clause in the military bill. They will impose total open borders so that people can pour into our country and they will give them free health care, free welfare and the right to vote in your elections. You won't ever win another election as a Republican. One of the best points that he made there was specifically talking about the fact that they will take away your election. They will take away your vote effectively. Why this is important is because in Georgia right now, a lot of Republicans after the whole Lynn Wood video clip came out have been a bit upset, obviously, at the situation that's been going on with Purdue and Leffler not really fighting against the fraud in the way that they would like. And Lynn Wood, in his own kind of words, basically said that we need, they need to be held accountable, that we shouldn't necessarily vote for them, basically, that they need to earn your vote. And I said on my show last week, that you can do two things at one time. Number one, you can still vote, but you can also put public pressure on those senators to make sure that they are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, that they understand the rules and the, and the types of policies that we want to see, that they need to be fighting for fair elections. The problem is, is that if we don't vote at all, in, or the voters in Georgia do not vote, 
then they are going to be left with Democrats. They're only going to make it easier for Democrats to do what they want to be able to do. So what Trump is basically doing here is warning all of the Republicans in the state that there are things bigger than people that may not be all gung ho about uh, standing on stage or putting out posts on Twitter day in and day out talking about election fraud. Because there is a bigger picture here. There, there's a bigger picture with uh, election integrity. There's a bigger picture with what Democrats will do if we don't elect Republicans. We don't have to like them. Um, I mean, let, let's not forget, Mitt Romney continues to get reelected, even though he has been squishy or just the worst on many issues. But he's still not a Democrat, or at least... You know, in some situations, he does act like one. So I'm not even I'm not here defending Mitt Romney whatsoever. But the point is, is that we still need to put in people that are generally speaking going to vote with Republicans on the issues that are important to us. Bigger issues are at stake way more than there are just for the state of Georgia, just for the, you know, beyond election integrity in and of itself. And we have to make sure that we are keeping our eyes on the ball, the most important things here. I also think that what Trump is doing here is uniting the Republican Party. There's been a lot of talk recently about the rhinos, the people that are the Republicans that are kind of the establishment ones that have kind of been in office and have done nothing. And look, I agree. I, I, I know that we all agree that they need to be held accountable, that the people that are in office that haven't done anything productive whatsoever in all these years need to actually come step up to the plate. And, and kind of earn their spot. But these are also a lot of the people out there that aren't doing anything about it themselves. It's time for all of us. If you have an opportunity, if I have an opportunity to run for office or whatever it is, I'm definitely going to do that. If we, if we, At least if I'm going to complain and shout to the high heavens about it every day. Because something has to be done. Obviously. And we can't sit idly by just saying, well, you do something, you do something, that guy needs to do something. But it's time that we do something. If you have a problem with it and you're in that state and you're able to run, run, do something or, you know, contribute to another person that is primarying those other Republicans. We can't just sit idly by and wait for someone else to do the job for us. That's kind of the problem now is that people are just comfortable with a Republican being in the chair they have an R next to their name, you vote for them, and you don't really care or think twice about their policies. It's just all about what they classify as, but not about what they're going to do. So here's the second clip from Trump as well, expanding upon that point. The extreme left will pack the Supreme Court with 24 radical justices. That's the last number I heard. I used to hear it was 16. Now it's up to 24. Pretty soon you'll have another Congress. 24 radical justices instead of nine justices that we have right now. And they want them to revolve up and down the court system so that Supreme Court justices can spend time in other locations down the totem pole. They want to hurt the Supreme Court and they want to hurt it very badly. And if these two don't get in or if I don't get in and these don't, we got to get the best would be all three. Nothing will happen. The key takeaway here is that all three of them should be elected. All, all three of them are necessary. But, you know, the, the lesser of those is, is at least let's keep the Senate. 
people oftentimes forget that if Biden becomes president, all of this fraud, whatever the situation is, ignoring that for right now, if Biden becomes president, he won't be able to do anything if we have control of the Senate. So if we're willing to give up the Senate, but we're going to fight for the presidency, I don't see how that makes any sense. We, we need to fight for everything, of course. But we can't lose the Senate because Linwood got up on stage and said something that, you know, and like I said, I don't think he was exactly saying directly, do not vote in the election. But like I said, you know, just putting that public pressure on those politicians there. So we just remember to vote because there's a bigger picture here. There is no absolute power in the United States. That's not how the government was designed. That's not how it should be designed. And let's not treat it that way. The president is not all powerful. We have these other branches of government that are meant to do the things that we want them to do as well. So if we lose the Senate in the process of trying to fix all the fraud and everything else like that and wind up losing the presidency as well, we're going to look really stupid. And I'd rather not look really stupid. So go and vote. And, and Trump is, has been talking about this on Twitter as well to try and get people to understand it is imperative that regardless of whether Trump wins or not or, or how the cases go in the courts, voting in the Senate for the senators are, is going to be extremely, extremely important regardless of what the outcome is. Let's not forget where, our, where we're stacking up our eggs at in our baskets. We need to make sure that everything is put in, the, put in its right places so that we can actually get something done the way that we want to actually have it done. A school district reportedly gives white privilege training to teachers. So in the story, it basically says uh, San Diego Unified School District is forcing teachers to attend white privilege training in which teachers are told you are racist and you are upholding racist ideas, structures and policies. The training begins with a land acknowledgement in which the teachers are asked to accept that they are colonizers living on stolen Native American land. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, this is anti-white racism. Full display. This, this is racism. Um, a, a little bit more, it, it goes into it saying that the teachers are then told that they will experience guilt, anger, apathy, and closed-mindedness because of their white fragility. That, uh, that book title, I'm sure you recognize that one there. After watching clips of Robin D'Angelo and Ibram Kendi, the trainers tell the teachers, you are racist, you are upholding racist ideas, and that you must commit to being anti-racist in the classroom. Now, I'm going to stop right there really quick, because I hate this idea that they say, okay, well, if you're white, you are automatically racist, right? And then they say, you must then say and kind of profess to being anti-racist. But by doing so, you're admitting that you're a racist, like just even entertaining this idea is in their eyes considered as being a racist. They don't care. You can't just say, Hey, look, I'm not racist. Like, what do you mean? It's like, no, you have to admit that you're a racist and then say that you are anti-racist, but you have to deem yourself as being a racist first. This is what I hate about this left wing crazy racial types of ideas. It's, it's literally their religion. 
It is. Because what you're, it, it's like the, it's like the sin in, in Christianity. But see, we have Jesus Christ that is able to cleanse us of our sin, that we can be forgiven, right? With this ideology, there's no forgiveness because you're basically saying, I'm a racist. I, I'm guilty of that and there's no forgiveness for it. And by even saying that I'm anti-racist, you're still a racist because you're saying that you are. You're just like, well, I'm a racist, but I just don't like racism. Like, but I'm still one. It's got to be the most backwards ideology that I've ever seen. They said they must submit to the new racial orthodoxy. I mean, this is sounding like a religious text here. <laughs> um, the teachers are told that they are a part of an oppressive white power structure. The trainers claim that white people in America hold the most power and that white teachers have the ability to thrive that is being preserved at every level of power. Finally, teachers are told that they must become anti-racist activists. They must confront and examine their white privilege. See, there's a problem. They say that, okay, well, you, you have to be anti-racist. But that means that you need to confront yourself as being a racist in the first place. And um, then it says that they acknowledge when they feel white fragility and teach others to see their privilege. Um, they must turn their schools into activist organizations. This is critical race theory right here. This is exactly what that is. Being crammed down into the schools. And we've seen remnants of this. But the fact that they're forcing teachers to do this and starting with kids that shouldn't even be concerning themselves with these types of issues is very, very scary. Very scary. It has infected itself into schools, into culture, into so many avenues. It's, it's absolutely insane how deep this type of ideology goes into our culture today. If I were them, I would be filing a lawsuit for racial discrimination. You can't teach this stuff. Not only is it a lie, but the other problem is, is that if you say even anything remotely bad about a person that's black, then all of a sudden you're going to get fired. They don't care. It, it's not equality. What it is, is the t standard leftist tactic of putting people down in order to lift people up. That's not equality. It's not saying, here's the standard by which we all can achieve, which, which anybody here can achieve. And you just need to achieve it. But anyone can obtain this goal. They don't believe in that. They don't believe in a meritocracy, in the idea that anybody is able to achieve what they want to achieve. They believe, nope, you're predisposed to these things. I mean, I'd love to see the, the kids that are in there that are probably thinking, what are you talking about? My, my family's poor and I'm white. Or the black person in there that's like, my family's rich. What are you talking about? Because you can't lump everybody into these groups and just make all of these ridiculous assumptions and just teach it as fact to the teachers and then say, you must become an activist against racism. But you have to admit that you're a racist before you do that. Unbelievable. This is racism no matter what color the person is. I don't care who it's coming from. Anything that is talking about somebody being greater or lesser or whatever it may be is racism. Why is it racism, you may ask? It's racism because this ideology is exactly the same 
as anyone that's a white supremacist. There may be 10 or 15 people that are actually in the world that are today. This is, they, they want the exact same thing. They both believe that white people are better and black people are worse. That, that's essentially what they both believe. The difference is that the left is going to try and virtue signal all of this and pretend as if it's like some woke fantasy by saying, well, if, as long as you're admitting it and you're anti it, dude, you either believe everybody's equal or you don't. That, that's it. Any exceptions to those rules when you're classifying people by skin color is racism. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you say it. That's what it is. Anybody can achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve, generally speaking. But you can't, regardless, lump those people in a class of race because it doesn't matter. That's the least important thing about any given person on, on the earth. Your sporting ability doesn't have anything to do with it. Your ability to learn something in class doesn't have anything to do with it. People are born at different socioeconomic levels all the time of any type of race. So when they hear stuff like this, a lot of those people that are outside of their bubble just don't understand what in the world they're talking about because it doesn't apply to normal people that are living normal lives that are separated from this. So in the same light, Chicago Teachers Union deletes tweet claiming school reopening push is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. This is once again, just turning something that has nothing to do with that into some crazy left-wing ideology. You know, minority parents are actually suing in California, saying that virtual learning has left their children behind, which makes pretty good sense, considering the fact that the parents that are going to be hurt the most by schools being closed are ones that are low-income families, families where the parents need to work where those kids need school. Some situations require that those students are maybe maybe their meal, their only meal in the day comes from school. People oftentimes forget that school is extremely important for some students where they were getting free meals, where they were getting a place to be at during the day. That being gone is detrimental to their education experience. It's detrimental to their learning experience. Just everything that goes on, that, that is horrible for a lot of those parents. A lot of the low-income fam families and a lot of the uh, minority parents, people oftentimes miss the point. And they think that for some reason, schools are this non-essential thing. Oh, well, it can all be done at home. It's no big deal. Grab a laptop. Well, what if the parents don't have a laptop? What if they don't have the means to guide their children through studies? I mean, not every student or, or child is going to be able to uh, learn on a computer or learn just from a book. If that was the case, then why do we have teachers? There's a such thing as good teachers and bad teachers and good books and bad books and good schools and bad schools. If they were all the same and kids would be able to learn any way they want it to, just in the home, the same way they learn in a school, then why in the world would parents send them there in the first place? There are differences. And turning this into a stupid racial sexist, I don't even know how any of the rest of those make any sense. 
it, it's just kind of they went down the the list of woke words to use just to say something just because they don't agree with it. At the end of the day, we should be able to have a conversation about the pros and cons of schools being open or closed without having to bring up all of these other things that have nothing to do with it whatsoever. We don't have to bring racism into every issue. But the problem is that the left always does that, don't they? Every issue has to be about race some way. Somehow they're going to find a way to inject it in there where it doesn't even belong just to try to make an argument. That's the only way they know how to argue is by calling you one of those names. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. And, and they do this oftentimes to shut people up, to get them to stop talking. They don't want any actual real intellectual discussions going on about any important issues. What they want is for people to be focused entirely on these words that mean nothing now. They've been overused and applied and slapped on to so many different things that they didn't need to be. That these words don't mean anything anymore. Overuse has been their own detriment. Parents should have the option to have students in school or not. If they want to have them in school, great. If they don't, that's up to them. Let them choose to have that be the case. Because not every child is equipped to deal with that and not every parent or family is going to be able to be equipped with that either. Regardless of what happens, regardless of how the lockdowns go or all of the different policies that take place as a result of this virus, we almost remember that everyone's situation is different. Putting in an overarching umbrella policy that affects everybody and ignores the singular situations that go on is not the way that this country was ever meant to be run. Whether that's from the president or from a governor of a state or a mayor, all the way down to the low level, there's different ways and tiers that affect how policy is driven. And for us to put everything all in this big bubble and say, well, if you're a white person, you're in this big group. If you're a black person, you're in this big group. If you are, if you have a child that's in school, then this rule will apply to the poor, rich, everybody. And all of these students will just learn the same because reasons. All of this shows that individuals and the policies that are aimed at allowing individuals to do what they want makes the most sense. We must be able to have the freedom to choose what we want to do when it comes down to how we enact our policies or the practices of our own lives to actually have personal accountability. We don't need the government to be putting things in place that takes that personal accountability away and says, well, the government will handle that. The government will tell you where you can go, where you can worship, where you can eat, if you can run your business, if you can't run your business, what regulations you need to adhere by all of these things are not good because you can't cram down policy or ideas on people that do, where it doesn't apply and keeping people from being able to be the individuals that they want to be and allowing them to have the freedom to do the things that they want to do that is all i have for you today i thank you for watching and i will see you on wednesday 
You just watched an episode from The William Hall Show. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe.